I'm Tracy Ellis with Loudon Espinoza, and this is The Elephant in the Dome, the official podcast of the Senate Republican Caucus. Coming up, what did Governor Inslee really know about potential gas price increases related to cap and trade? Also, one senator thinks we should use proceeds from that cap and trade program to pay for transportation. So you're going to hear us talk about cap and trade. Others call it the Climate Commitment Act. Some people just call it the CCA. All the same thing. I like to call it the crony capitalist show game. (laughs) We do have one. um, Yes, our our Senator Phil Fortunato calls it that. Um, We call it cap and tax oftentimes because that's kind of what it is. It's basically like a tax, a gas tax. Um, So we'll be talking about that quite a bit today. But I just want to let you know, once again, some people call it cap and trade. Some people call it Climate Commitment Act. And senators will use CCA. But... First, we want to talk about these initiatives. Actually, one of them is related to the Climate Commitment Act. Um, These initiatives would roll back controversial Democrat policies, and they're likely headed to voters. It looks like they have enough signatures to, to get these initiatives in front of voters. But first, the legislature needs to consider them in the upcoming session. It's a little bit confusing, but these are what's called initiatives to the legislature. So basically, signature gatherers um, got over 400,000 signatures for each one of these six initiatives, and the legislature needs to consider them. Doesn't need to really do anything, but they need to consider them, right? As far as I understand, I mean, it's been a while since we've had initiatives to the legislature. I remember being here in the early years, and um, the legislature basically has a few options, right? They can punt. They can do their own, um, and they'll go to the, the voters um, in November. Yeah, so the, the initiatives as written as um, that, that they're going to the legislature will definitely go to voters, but the, the legislature can also put um, essentially an additional initiative, almost like a competing mm-hmm. initiative that voters could consider instead of— That happened uh, actually on climate stuff. I mean, I think that was the one of the last times a climate initiative was on the ballot— um, before voters, it had come to the legislature, made a pit stop, and then there were two competing climate initiatives that I think both failed at that time. All right. There is some indication that the Democrats who, when we talk about the Democrats in the legislature, you should know that they're in the majority in both the Senate and in the House, so they make all the decisions on what happens with these things, basically. So right. they yeah. will, I mean, they could just do nothing with them, and there are some indications that's what's going to happen, um, that they just may ignore them and, and let them go to the voters and let the voters decide. Um, but again, they have these options. They could put a competing measure on there. They can adopt the initiatives, which <laughs> they could repeal all of the stuff that they've been working on. <laughs> these are, these are some of their, their favorite policies, most important policies, um, in their minds. Um, so house speaker, who's a Democrat, obviously. She's the House Speaker. She's uh, Her name is Lori Jenkins. And she's going to be one of the top decision makers on how to proceed with these initiatives, if not the top. Um, the House Speaker has a lot of clout in what happens with legislation. And um, she talked about these initiatives at a legislative session preview. Here's what she had to say. We've been we told by the Secretary of State's office we won't get f- kind of final certification until mid-February. Um, on them. So that probably means they, they may not be referred to committee until then. They are exempt from cutoff. So I guess I'll just make a few comments about this. 
I'm very saddened when I think about why the initiative process was established in this state. Um, to, you know, have a populist approach uh, to, I mean, it was really like the big railroad barons that, that folks didn't want taking over the state and they wanted the people to be able to legislate. So now what do we have is an ultra wealthy multimillionaire buying his way onto the ballot and putting initiatives on the ballot that are going to benefit his ultra wealthy status. That said, they're there. So, um, so I think we have to deal with them. I think now uh, we'll see um, it, whether we'll have to make decisions about whether or not those are heard. They automatically go to the ballot, whether or not they're heard, whether or not we'll consider alternatives. I think all those things are still being considered now. You know, they just they were turned in very late. Uh, I do look forward to the conversation with Washington voters because I do think when you think about some of these initiatives. I don't. I really have a great deal of confidence in the voters in Washington State that they, for example, don't want seniors to have to spend themselves into poverty before they can get some sort of long-term care. That they, I, I have confidence in the voters in the state that they believe our investments in K-12 education and in child care really need to increase, not be decreased by eliminating the capital gains tax on a few ultra-wealthy people in this state. And I don't think the voters in this state particularly want to turn our backs on climate change and quit addressing climate change. So um, that conversation will is yet to come. There are her comments. Um, what do you think about that? <clears throat> interesting. I think the most interesting part of that, of her little, you know, let's start with a sad story about why we needed initiatives. I mean, hypocrisy comes to mind a little bit. I mean, She's comparing the need for citizens to have direct legislating via the initiative process to, you know, back in the founding of our state to, you know, stopping, you know, the, the railroad barons and then equates, you know, that to this guy who, I mean, it seems she's implying that he's going to personally benefit from, from the long-term care tax repeal, from the, the, the gas price gouging that the state is you know, yeah. on the hook for, it doesn't really make much sense. You know, that, 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 I mean, God bless this guy spending his own money to try to get the people a, a chance to weigh in on all of this stuff Here, that here's the deal. The guy who's sponsoring these initiatives is super rich. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. is very, he's very wealthy. He doesn't care about paying extra gas taxes. He doesn't, no. he doesn't, no. he actually doesn't. Um, I, I, I guarantee you, he doesn't care about any what any of the the cost associated with these additions. Yeah, the police, the police pursuit. I mean, that's yeah, exactly. I, I have to think about what all. There's six of them, right? Right. But, but the to, to make the assertion that having a guy who I, I mean, I think he's probably got 400, you know, record numbers of signatures on these things. Four hundred thousand, yeah, over four hundred thousand. Yeah. So I think here, he's. So. I think he's got a better pulse on what the populace thinks about some of these policies than. The Democrats in the legislature, I mean, just look at the last session when they fumbled the police reform on drug possession, on on police chases. That's one of the initiatives. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I just don't understand how, how him. Yeah. Anyway, there's only one that he may personally benefit from. And that would be the the income tax. One, the income, yeah, the income, yeah. yeah, getting rid of the income tax. But again, the voters of Washington 
will make this decision. He's not right. making the decision. All he's doing is putting it out there. And he right. had to get 400,000 people for each one of these initiatives yeah. to get it on the ballot. Yeah. So, so the people of the state of Washington, that's kind of what Senate Republican leader John Braun and House Republican leader Drew Stokesbury, um, that's kind of what they had to say. They had a, certainly a different take than um, House Speaker Jenkins on the whole initiative process. I'm just going to push back on, on the timeline. First of all, I think what the Secretary of State said, is he, he's, he's hired at a record number. He's going to have, I think, two of them certified not provisionally, but finally certified before we start next week. And constitutionally, I think uh, we're supposed to consider those a top priority right after the budget. So I think these should be top of list uh, next Monday, uh, whichever ones are certified. And as they become certified, he did say the last one might be as late as I think 9 February is the date I heard. So we won't get all of them, but we're going to get some of them and we ought to be focused on them right away. And and we, uh, we you can talk about how they got on the ballot. That's an easy way to dis distract from the fact that we had, you know, uh, we had a record number of signatures uh, at uh, of citizens of our state signed for these, and it's because they're frustrated. Uh, of course they care about climate change, but they also think in Washington we ought to be able to handle climate change in ways other than on the backs of working Washingtonians, and that's what CCA does. It's a highly regressive tax on the backs of working Washingtonians, and it's not working. They want better. We should try to do better. Oh, hold that one there. So that's a, a good, solid point to unpack, is... The the voters, the climate commitment thing was, was passed in 2021, right? I mean, people in politics have a short memory. Then you've got the ramp up and what that has done to gas prices. It was, you know, two years before people really, you know, felt the impact of that. Um, I think that we, the public deserves, right, an opportunity, to, especially after they feel it, right? I mean, and I don't like... That I think it's a false choice to say, well, if you don't like the Climate Commitment Act, you're against, you know, whatever. I mean, that's kind of how the House Speaker of the House framed it, right? It's like, you, you've got to be kidding me. The only thing we can do for our climate is tax poor people? That's, that's the answer. That's, that, that's absurd to me. I'm glad that Senator Braun called that out. Representative Stokesbury. And, and I would just add to that. I mean, whatever the motivations of the of the sponsor of these initiatives is, there's still, like Senator Brown alluded to, 400,000 ordinary Washingtonians that signed each one of them, um, you know, n none of whom or, you know, a, a very small number of whom have, you know, any like meaningful financial gain. They just want to do what they think is best for the people of Washington and, and want more choices and feel like they're dissatisfied with some of the policies that have come out of Olympia. There was an Elway poll this morning, thanks to Crosscut for partnering with that, uh, that showed 50% 57% of Washingtonians uh, want to repeal the capital gains tax. About 60% want to repeal the police pursuit law. So um, clearly there is some appetite by Washingtonians for, for change. Um, House and Senate Republicans, I think, agree that it is time for change and time to fix what's broken. And this is despite efforts by certain groups to stop people. Yeah, from signing the initiatives. Yeah, yeah right. I yeah. mean, so I, she's kind of speaking out of both sides of her mouth about yeah. like, you know, we need, we need transparency and this guy is just, you know, by, oh, by the way, we've ramped up a machine to have a snitch line right. asking people to, to interfere in elections. Right, right, right. So it'll be up to the, ultimately it'll be up to you, up to the voters to, to decide this, yeah. you know, and I don't know why Democrats are afraid of that. You know, if their policies are as popular as they say they are, then 
they shouldn't have a problem with with voters weighing in on oh, them. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, we, we've seen that before, you know, in the legislature. I mean, some big meaty issues where, you know, there's an opportunity to put an amendment. It's like, hey, let's let's take this clearly politically charged issue that we've got some serious divide. Put it in front of voters. The referendum clause. We can do that here. And I think I I've never seen it work. Right. I mean, I've never seen the other side go, you know what? We probably should, you know, like get a pulse on this. Actually, I think more often than not, they'll go. No referendum clause. We need an emergency clause. We, we, we so we don't, don't have a referendum. Yes, yeah, so we so can. it's impossible to yeah. do a referendum. Yeah. Right, exactly. Um, so talking about the CCA Climate Commitment Act, cap and trade, cap and tax, whatever cap you want to call gouge. it. Um, there's a new report that says as early as 2014, Governor Jay Inslee was told by experts that cap and trade could cause gas prices to increase by about 45 cents a gallon. Yet he told people it would likely only be pennies. And actually, at one point, he said prices may actually go down, (laughs) (laughs) cap and trade. But at that that same session preview, he said Republicans were the ones who made the inaccurate predictions. Well, before you play that just golden audio from the governor, I I love that this is the story that keeps on giving, right? I mean, like we... We talked about this on a, on a previous podcast when the whistleblower came out because he did math right. And now, uh, as we're going to hear, Inslee is doing everything he can to obfuscate why gas prices are this high. I know whose predictions were not correct, which were uh, uh, the Republicans who ran around saying this is going to be like a buck or a buck 50. Those predictions were inaccurate. But um, I want to know which one, there, which Republicans. There's some there's some context to that. Uh, you know, Brandy Cruz, yeah. the host of the, the podcast, Undivided, very popular. Um, she was at this event today, and she challenged Inslee on that. Just as a follow to what you had said there about Republicans pushing out this number, that it would be something crazy like $1.50 per gallon, that was actually the figure that was given by your chief policy advisor in 2014. And he based it off of, he gave a high and a low, and he based that off of the current CO2 prices. So based on ones that are very similar to state CO2 prices now, your own policy advisor's estimate was $0.44 a gallon to a dollar and 46 cents a gallon. So I, I think one of the, the challenges with, with this whole conversation, why you're asked about it so often, I'm going to try again to sort of get, get, a, get clarity on it, is you have the central disagreement being, did the cap and trade program raise gas prices at the beginning of this year by around 45 cents a gallon? There are a lot of people whose estimates are almost exactly in line with that result. You had the Washington Policy Center that uh, predicted, I believe it was 44 cents a gallon. You had your own senior policy advisor, and John Stang did a story on it I'm looking at right now in 2014 with the headline, cap and trade would increase gas prices. He predicted 44 cents a gallon. And then you had this WashDOT whistleblower whose job it's been for 30 years to be a state economist, to make these forecast predictions. He was doing that for WashDOT for five years. He predicted 45 to 50 cents a gallon. So when I see that, I'm like, either all of these experts, including your own staff, are wrong or you're wrong. So when you go with the estimate from from the state agency you've chosen, were you simply not aware of any of the other estimates that were consistent on 45 cents a gallon, including from your own staff? Why did you go with the estimate that was 
pennies, if not gas prices, would be lower when there were so many consistent estimates at 45 cents a gallon? Look, I predict the Washington State Huskies are going to score 30 points next uh, in Houston. That's my prediction. Now, if it turns out to be 36, will I have been sort of uh, not done my job? No, I don't think so. If it turns out to be 24, will I have not done my job? Our job and what we asked the Department of Ecology to do, to do their best estimate, to look at the most recent data, not 2014, but the most recent data of what they predicted could be in the realm of, of, of the compliance cost. That means how much people have to pay for the auction. Their best estimate was anywhere from two cents to 24 or 25 cents. And they conveyed that to the people uh, in the legislature. And it was not dollars, it was cents. And that's what it turned out to be. Now, there is another individual who's running an initiative campaign to cause massive pollution and eliminate a billion dollars of help that Washingtonians are getting right now. That person said, well, I think it's 35 cents. Okay, now that's what his opinion was. At least I saw some interview by him. You can debate this to the cows come home. You really can. And there's all kinds of debates to make. One I would make is the price has come down a dollar since then. So I don't know who you're referring to as my former staffer, but they were wrong because it actually has come down a dollar since October. So you can't predict these with 100% accuracy. People did the best good faith as they could. We said that there would be compliance costs. I said that there would be compliance costs. And now we're trying to reduce those compliance costs by having this merger of our markets so we can reduce that cost. And I stand on that, and I stand firmly that this state is not going backwards when it comes to pollution. Just a quick follow on that. For Washingtonians who are really struggling under the weight of increased gas prices, mm -hmm. and I agree with you in terms of not everyone can make an accurate prediction, although a lot of people did manage to make a pretty accurate prediction, and, and it's not the one that you went with. So whether it was misled intentionally or unintentionally when you were speaking to the media saying pennies if not less than they are right now do you acknowledge that washingtonians were intentionally or unintentionally misled about the extent to which the cap and trade program would raise gas prices no i don't accept that at all because the term misled connotes some intentional act and that's simply not what happened here people pe people did their best job they could looking at the data was available one of which is the california experience now the auction prices turned out to be higher than the california experience they didn't predict that and when you predict the weather, you, you're not entirely correct. So I don't think that's a fair characterization. Were, were, were people misled when he said pennies? Yes. Even though he may have been, he may have honestly, may have honestly believed that. Still, it wasn't just pennies. It was, a, yeah. well, as we said before, a lot of pennies, you know, 50 cents. Well, I, mean, I just go back to like, uh, there's a paper trail, right? I mean, like that. It has somebody, multiple people, apparently told him their prediction. And he said, well, you know, we don't know what, why he chose the wrong one or, you know, whatever that is. But at some point, there has to be a little bit of a reckoning for him. I mean, like, yeah, just, why can't you say honest. I was wrong? It wasn't pennies. It was this. Well, I mean, and then he went out earlier or, you know, late last year and had like a whole press conference about like the oil companies are gouging and we're going to get to the bottom of this with some phantom nonsense bill. 
I bet you when he was up at that podium, he was probably like, God, I hope no one finds out. I hope <laughs> nobody finds out that everybody was right. I mean, right. just a little bit of humility um, would have been great, but can't do that. So obviously a lot of people want to see this cap and trade go away in the future, but it's with us right now. And it's bringing in a lot of money. Big bucks. <laughs> Billions of dollars more than expected. <clears throat> Billions with a B. Um, Senate Republican Transportation lead Senator Curtis King answering a question at that event about the need for new ferries. Well, he talked about how we could spend some of that cap and trade money. Now, it's supposed to only go to things that supposedly help the environment, right? I mean, that's I what... St I still, I cannot for the life of me get the, we want to cut down on carbon emissions. Not we, the, 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 the Democrats and the legislature and the governor. So we're going to put a price on it. We're going to collect a bunch of money. How does that, I mean, I know the answer, right? right. How does that stop greenhouse gas? Well, emissions? the money is supposed to go to environmental things. Right. 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 So, so King says, well, you know, since we're getting so much more than expected and we really need ferries, can we use it for that? We do need new ferries, uh, but we got to figure out how we're going to pay for them. And, and yeah, we can say that CCA can only be used for this and it can only be used for that. But at the time, no one expected that it would generate the money that it's generated. And at some point, you got to get real. You got to understand that we're here to take care of the citizens of the state of Washington. And maybe, just maybe, you back off a little bit of, of this rush to all of a sudden be the most green state in the, in the country, in the world. Because what we do in, in Washington state matters very little to, to the environment. It truly does. So we got to get real about our expectations, where that money should go, and to tell me that well, we, we need to build more bike and ped pass because that's good for the environment. Yeah, it is. And are they important? Yes, they are. But we have people that are dependent upon these ferries. And in my opinion, we've let them down. And it's not the Democrats didn't let them down. Republic, we all let them down. And we got to figure out how we're going to rect rectify that. And maybe CCA and moving some of that money in a little different thing that still may be good for our environment. We got to look at those things. Nail on the head. Heat seeking missile. Right. That was, yeah. I mean, I mean, there was another senator. I mean, we were talking before, <clears throat> excuse me. They said the quiet parts out loud, right? I mean, it's really not about carbon reduction. I mean, it, that's well, kind of kind an of upshot. You want people to drive less. So the idea that, behind yes. these carbon taxes and cap and trade is that people won't want to spend the money to do the things that pollute. You, yes, exactly. Because they become way more expensive. They want, they don't want you in your car. They want you to take bike, I mean, walking, right. mass transit. That's the whole point. I mean, I think, so I think back to, you know, the comments by the speaker, you know, and kind of just the whole rhetoric around, you know, saving the climate. It's really is about like, just they, they, they want to have people stop doing a certain type of behavior. So you're going to tax it so that they will do a different kind of behavior. But the problem is, I mean, as the Senator pointed out, it's like, it's, a, it's like a severe lack of creativity on the other side. It's like, we, we, there's, there's problems with that. Right. You brought up, well, if you're a mom with kids, right. 
you got to go get groceries. You got to bike to the grocery store with your two kids. You know, you know, well, I mean, you're they, certainly you, not going to, you're not going to bike from Vashon Island to the mainland, you know, <laughs> yeah, and, the ferry. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, so the, the ferries are needed. And, oh, our ferry system is crumbling. It is. It, it Democrats even admit that they, yeah. said earlier in this, this, we didn't have it for you, but earlier in the same forum today, Sir Leas acknowledged that, you know, that, the ferry system is a disaster, and so you need new ferries. The ferries are going to be are going to pollute a lot less because we're talking about either hybrid or is ferry. electric on yeah. that thing. Oh, I know hybrid ferries for yeah. sure. So I th- actually, I thought there was a conversation about electric ferries, and then it's just not feasible. Well, ferries are expensive. Yeah, they're already expensive as they <laughs> yes, are. As right. a, yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, you know, Lana and I will will keep you up on all this stuff during the session. Um, you, we would like it if you came back to this podcast. We'll we'll have them for you once a week. A sixty day sprint. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we'll be there for the the whole thing. Yeah. Um. Anyway, this is the Elephant in the Dome, the official podcast of the Senate Republican Caucus with Loudon Espinoza. I'm Tracy Ellis. Mm-hmm.